Hello and welcome back to another episode of Horribly Happy. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Sophie. And she's back. I'm back. (laughs) I know everyone missed me so much. I missed you. (laughs) I already told you this, but I enjoyed listening to the podcast so much, not being on it because I didn't know what was coming next. And it's so true. Like the chit chat and the side conversations are like the best. Yeah. Was that your favorite part? The chit chat? Probably. Well, you guys also did kind of a different format. Yeah. So it's hard for me to be like, but I also listened to two hot takes. So obviously I like those Reddit stories. Um, They were good, but it was nice having a male perspective. (laughs) Yes. I had to stop myself from talking over him sometimes because (laughs) that's like his complaint. Sometimes when we're just like in our everyday conversations, I always like yes and him I cut him off and I'm like yes and blah 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 (laughs) so I was really I had to bite my tongue a few times but he said I did interrupt him once and I do remember that and I remember because his point was going nowhere so I just kind of stopped him (laughs) mid-sentence and I was like yes and so we could get the conversation rolling again Oh my gosh, that's funny. I don't recall it. Just thinking about it. If I listened back, I would probably catch it, but I didn't notice. So that's good. Yeah, I think he did a really good job. The only thing that he was pretty quiet and I know I'm loud, but I did put the microphone. We were sharing a mic. I put it right in front of him and I was at least two times the amount away from the mic that he was. And I was still so much louder than him. (laughs) He was quiet, but Zach doesn't have like a very, oh, sorry, very commanding voice. Yeah. Yes. It's like a, well, it's also lower and not like, it's not like a booming voice. So it was just like soft and subtle. I think he did great. Just, you know, next time I'd, I'd have him on another mic so I can adjust his volume to be much louder. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. No, it was great. He, he was a good sport. He seemed into it. Yeah. He was having a blast. He said he'd go on it again. He even made a pitch for himself at the end. He said, if anybody else needs a host, I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Well, um, I didn't know Zach wasn't that into listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just funny how he's like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know how you have a desk job and you're not into podcasts, but, um, it, I just love how he's like, I'm more comfortable behind the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and his stuff and things radio show. Oh, yeah. I would love to hear that. I love that name, stuff and things. <laughs> it sounds like Ron Swanson. Yes, it does. I feel like he said something like that. But so they would do, they would just like talk about random stuff, but they'd also do sports recaps. And before I even knew who Zach was, Apparently, he actually pulled out his old stuff and things notebook, and there was like a summary of my basketball game. And it was like, Ooh. 16 points, eight rebounds, or whatever. He was, so he was doing a summary of that. And then in his notes, he wrote next to it, pointed at my name, and said, Love her. Oh, I really never met him in my life. <laughs> <laughs> what, what year was this when he did it? That must have been his sophomore year, my junior year. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah, kind of sappy, sappy story. 
love her and you're like who the <laughs> f is this guy <laughs> he said one time he also said hi to me walking past me like just in the hall of some you know college classroom yeah. area and I like gave him a weird look and kept walking because I didn't know who he was it was like some random guy probably said hi to me and I was like huh well, yeah why <laughs> would he say hi I have no idea <laughs> one time so I went to as you know St. Ben's but there's a it's like a sister brother school and you have classes on both campuses and there's a bus that that drives you between the two campuses and I was standing in line and for the bus and some guy was just I think he called me Jenna actually he was like hey Jenna what's up and I was like I'm not Jenna I was like I'm sorry I don't know who that is and he just was like okay and just smiled and then just like was just standing there it was so so weird weird. and also because like your best friend's name is Jenna. Yeah. It's like strange, but I didn't go and there. The, yeah. And I didn't have, I didn't have like a college Jenna. So I was just like, do you know like, who it was? No. And it was my freshman year. So I was like, not like, oh, I'm so intrigued. I would, I think I just was like really awkward and felt uncomfortable. And then he just was like, yeah, okay. Still smiling. <laughs> and then just like walked away. And I'm like, weird. Think, yeah. It was really strange. So yeah, Zach should just say hi to people. No, but you know, his long game it worked in that. Yeah, it did. <laughs> his quote unquote long game. He did like two things. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Anyways, um, I had some feedback from our listeners on like the format that we did for the Zach and Jenna show. And <laughs> they liked the Reddit stories. So I don't I still like our long form stories that we're doing here, but I think yeah. we now and then throw in a Reddit story. We can give a reaction if there's anything, okay. you know, that we find. I scroll Reddit sometimes. So if there's anything interesting, I might add that into this Good idea. segment. So Good idea. give us your feedback if that's what you want. Yes, we are open to all feedback. <laughs> except be kind of nice <laughs> we're open to all feedback except criticism so yeah <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so, so don't do that so sophie how's the southern area i don't know if you want to disclose where you are that's why it was so big <laughs> it's like barely it's like not southern it's like a middle well Western. it must be like southern from where we are though in minnesota it is. I'm in Reno, Nevada. I'll okay. say this. I'll say the city. <laughs> um, my parents live in Reno, Nevada, and I'm out here visiting them. Um, and I say Western because it's like literally California almost. Yeah. Um, and it's not super hot here. I was just telling Jenna, it's like 50s once it's like peak of the day, but it's sunny. So then it feels even nicer outside. It's good. It's like, it feels Fahrenheit also. Yeah. For all of our international <laughs> yeah. listeners. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's good. They're building a house out here because um, they're renting right now. So we got to visit the house. Oh my gosh. And you sent pictures of the house. Absolutely unreal. I know. They have view. a view of the mountains. It's in like a panoramic view and it's like literally a dream. Like yeah. Fake. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful out here. It's so different than Minnesota. It's 
like a mix between well you so you've been to um rapid city kind of like black hills area yeah i don't know if anyone else like other listeners have it kind of feels like that but like more western like ranchy so it's like it's kind of deserty kind of like why the wild west but then also like mountains it's just a different vibe it's interesting so uh, you should get like cowboy boots or something and really lean into it oh my gosh i would never wear them though like literally but they're in right now they're so in there i know right you yeah can, you can, you go, can to, go to like local thrifts there and see if there's any cowboy boots. there probably is um if you ever come out here there's this crazy vintage thrift stop store shop that i'm gonna take you to it's like insane oh my gosh i must you would go. love it yeah it's just it never ends it's like one of those stores that never ends have you seen that thrift store on tiktok where it's like what's it called last call or something it's not a thrift store but it's uh final cut all of the final cut for yes. all the anthropology and and stuff urban and yeah. free people yeah oh my gosh like I want to take a trip but isn't that in Tennessee I don't know where it is I think it's in Georgia yeah that's it's in great. the south yes I know and it's like like you could furnish your house with that because it's like well it's Most so unfair. Is, yeah. It's like, I why know. do you, why do you get to just be in Georgia? Like, why can't we have final cuts in every state? I would sell a limb for final cut to be in Minnesota. And it's like, we don't want to fly there. I don't want to go there for the clothes. Like I want to go there for the, the furniture. furniture. Yes. The home decor and furniture. I, cause yeah, clothes, you know, you can thrift that anywhere. Yeah. You get it on Poshmark too, whatever. But the furniture, you don't find that everywhere. No, it's so cute. Yeah, I like see those videos and I get mad. It's like I know sometimes I don't watch them, honestly. And then all the comments are people like, stop posting videos about this. The line's already too long. Yeah, it sounds like people have to get there like first thing in the morning and then they're like in line for two yeah. hours. Yeah, wow. jealous. <sighs> yeah, so anyways, any other fun things in Reno? Nothing crazy right now I'm working here so it's not like um like we're doing a lot of things I went furniture shopping with my mom today for the new house which was actually kind of fun because I love that stuff we picked out like where restaurant hardware no (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) my my parents are not that bougie (laughs) It, it was but it was like a it was like a Hennens or like uh I don't want to say Ashley because that's not it's better than Ashley Hennens that's okay, I don't know anything for... about the level like of furniture stores so the fact that you just threw Ashley <laughs> under the bus so hard I feel kind of bad for it okay it's it wasn't as nice as like Pottery Barn okay but like a nice it's not like discount or used or anything Okay. But we got to pick up like fabric. So, you know, I like doing that stuff. So, I yeah, guess. you got like a little interior design mind that I, envy. yeah, yeah, I like to help my friends out. Yes, you do good when, they, when they want it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, nothing crazy, just hot girl walks and Love. working. <laughs> Love a good hot girl walk. Yeah, me too, especially when the weather's nicer. Um, what else? Oh, you. Yeah, We're I had a very good, our hometown. I did go back to good old St. Cloud, Minnesota <laughs> on Friday. I took the day off of work and it was a big day for my family because my mother, Mary Schlepper Januska, shout out. 
<laughs> go Mary. She was inducted into the St. Cloud Cathedral Hall of Fame, which is the high school she went to and also the high school Sophie and I went to. So she was a volleyball star, which is why she was inducted. But also, um, yeah, volleyball was her coach. She played basketball and softball as well. But then she also went on to coach at Cathedral and worked at Cathedral and all four of her kids went to Cathedral. Mm -hmm. So the main emphasis with her is her amazing career, volleyball career. But also she went on to play at Division II St. Cloud State University too. So she had a collegiate career. But she was, like, really amazing at sports when it was really fresh for women. Like, yeah, that's kind of something they emphasize, that she was a pioneer in women's sports, which is I like believe so it. crazy. I didn't, even, I didn't even really think about Title IX being so close to when that's my mom was playing point. sports. Yeah. So she, in her speech or whatever, when she was inducted, she was like, oh, like, I don't, like, sometimes I don't really like being called a pioneer because um it makes me feel old (laughs) she was like but it truly didn't feel like I was pioneering anything because like we had so many awesome opportunities at cathedral stuff like that but it was crazy for me to hear that like her being presented as like a pioneer in women's sports because I didn't really think of it that way you know I just I knew she was really good and I knew she uh you know did well for herself but I didn't realize that she was so fresh into the game it is kind of crazy to think history is not so far away from where we are today. Yes. Um, for sure. And your cousin was inducted. That's yes. also awesome. Yeah, my cousin was inducted. The Januskas well. are just Januskas <laughs> and Schleppers are just well, that's the Schlepper family. side. Yep. So Annie Schlepper, Annie Schlepper Span was inducted for women's hockey because she is an Olympian. So Mm-hmm. pretty pretty easy <laughs> nomination and inductee there because she was yeah. incredible and she doesn't play anymore correct no she doesn't she has two cutie kids that yes. she's running after now oh were they in town too no they were supposed to come visit but they're sick at the moment there's like the oh. neurovirus going around oh neuro yeah well I don't know neuro. if they pronounce it neuro where you're see. just like basically stomach issues <laughs> yeah shoot. so they they couldn't come but it was so fun we all went out to dinner um it was just really Where'd fun to go? celebrate white horse oh I know only place to go I know <laughs> yeah I'm really proud of my mom so congratulations oh and I saw your brother was there yeah that was just I, so fun I told Luke to come back <laughs> Meg was the only one who wasn't there because she's in Ireland right now good excuse yeah so I guess we'll give her the pass fine Meg it's cool whatever also she sent us photos from Ireland which is like it's cold in Ireland right now it's like yeah they're they're in the same hemisphere as us um she was surfing I saw her post a picture on Instagram and I was like no yeah I hate cold water (laughs) oh gosh good for her I didn't even know you could do that yeah Yeah. well I mean Ireland's like on the it's an island I know and I <laughs> no I know like I just didn't think people surfed because it was colder Got like it. especially in the winter months because like people surf on like Lake Superior up here and I'm sure yeah. people surf in the winter months on the coast but I'm just like such a fair weather girl I'm just like no totally yeah and actually most people surf on Lake Superior in the winter months only because that's when the waves are the best that makes sense 
That'd be that makes brutal. Sense. Oh my god. I, I won't, but good for them. <laughs> Comfy me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested. But okay, actually, I have been watching the Olympics too. Oh yeah. Which has been really fun. Oh, me too. I have a I have a sport to talk about. Oh, okay. The I forgot what it's called, the shooting one and then cross-country skiing. Oh yeah, I didn't watch that one, but that's fascinating. It's fast. I just didn't even know it was a sport. And I watched a very intense match where, so basically like you have, you shoot at a target yeah, and you're on cross-country skis. And then once you hit your target, you can go ski to your next, your next point, basically. Doesn't this, sometimes these sports feel like eighth grade kids made it up. (laughs) Well, that one kind of felt like the Hunger Games training facility or something. (laughs) Yeah. Like training for like some catastrophic yeah yeah that is interesting I watched some curling which is just I've been watching curling as well but we watch like we're my mom was a figure skater so we are like super we've been really like tuning into the figure skating every night and I don't know if you watched but the Russian women's um like representative she was the fourth ever woman to land a triple axel at the Olympics. Wow. I did not see that. Her performance was amazing. She, and she's 15. Oh my God. So (laughs) she just, she won first. She took first. I mean, this was team. So like, there's not, it doesn't like, she didn't like get the gold medal. Right. She'll compete individually still, but it was like, by far she was points wise she was like ahead of everyone else so does she do the same perform for her individual then her performance I don't I don't know my mom didn't think so um but she just like looks like a ballerina on figure skates it was yeah is that your favorite thing to watch I do really like watching it and then we did watch um women's snowboarding not the half pipe but like jumps and rails and stuff that was also really fun to watch yeah, it's all I I think winter Olympics are my favorite if I had to choose. But I love sand volleyball, so that's where I get so Well, I was going to say like I feel like the one sport I like super tune into for summer is the volleyball. Yeah. Sand, sand volleyball in particular. Yeah. 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 So good. Um yeah, anyway, it's fun. I I didn't really tune into the Summer Olympics this past summer cuz you know they were postponed. Right. And I don't know. I think because I'm doing things in the summer, but in the winter, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Let's watch it. Yeah. I watched the sand volleyball, but I didn't watch anything else, but that's kind of like me and the bachelor. I don't watch it in the spring or summer because it's too nice out. Yeah. (laughs) What a comparison. The Olympics to (laughs) the bachelor. (laughs) Yeah. Never mind. Disregard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, um, Speaking of history being not so far behind us, we is Black History Month this month. It is. So Jenna and I are both doing stories on um, kind of Black figures in Mm -hmm. American history this week. So, yeah. So our focus is to honor Black History Month. And there's obviously so many stories we could choose from. Yes. Um, but Sophie, I'm excited to hear your story. So you want to kick us off? Yeah. So I had horrible this week, which 
yeah, as I always. Was, I was pretty happy to have happy this week. <laughs> it was like, really, I was kind of like, okay, like, I don't know. I don't need to say much, but there's lots of horrible stories you can choose from um, in general, but especially in the black community. But I'm doing the story of Emmett Till this week. Oh, wow. And my only source is Wikipedia. Um, so I'm just going to hop right in. Emmett Till was born in 1941 in Chicago, Illinois, to his parents, Mamie Carthen and Lewis Till. Emmett's mother was born in the small town of Webb, Mississippi. When his mother was just two years old, the family moved to Argo, Illinois, as part of the great migration of rural Black families out of the South to the North to escape violence, lack of opportunity, and unequal treatment under law. Argo, Illinois received so many Southern migrants that it was nicknamed Little Mississippi. Wow. Mamie most, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I've not heard that term before. Uh, Mamie mostly raised Emmett as a single mother with help of her own mom after she learned Emmett's father, Lewis, was unfaithful. Lewis also abused Mamie, and after violating court orders to stay away from Mamie, Lewis Till was forced to choose between jail or enlisting in the U.S. Army, and he chose the latter. But a few weeks before Emmett's fourth birthday, he was executed for the murder of an Italian woman and the rape of two others. Oh, gosh. So not a great guy. Yeah. yeah. Not good. Um, and really interesting between jail, choosing between jail and the U.S. Army. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Obviously, they don't do that anymore. That's weird. Like, I mean, kind of a no-brainer, right? Unless, yeah. I don't know. Maybe and I'm... He goes into the U.S. Army and murders someone and rapes two others. So... Yeah. <laughs> didn't really do the job. No. Um, probably why they stopped offering that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at six years old, Emmett contracts polio, which left him with a persistent stutter. Mamie and Emmett moved to Detroit where his mom met and married Pink Bradley. I think Pink was like a nickname. Okay. In 1951. However, Emmett preferred Chicago. So he moved back there to live with his grandmother where his mother would later return after the failed marriage to her second husband. Together, Mamie and Emmett lived in a neighborhood in Chicago's South Side. Mamie got a job working as a civilian clerk for the U.S. Air Force. Mamie remembers Emmett being able to help with chores at the home. However, he at times would get distracted. She also recalled that there were times that it seemed Emmett didn't know his limitations. An example of this is when Mamie's ex, Pink Bradley, visited Mamie in Chicago and began to threaten her. At age 11 years old, Emmett told Bradley he would kill him if he did not did not leave, all while holding a butcher's knife in his hand. Yikes. I know. But overall, Emmett was happy, and he had close cousins that he spent a lot of free time with. In 1955, Mamie's uncle visited Emmett and Mamie in Chicago that summer. Um, his name was Mose Wright, and he told Emmett stories about living in the Mississippi Delta, which is a multi-county area in northwestern Mississippi. Emmett was intrigued and wanted to visit. So Mose Wright agreed to take Emmett and his two cousins to visit his hometown of Money, Mississippi, which is kind of a funny name. Money. Yeah. <laughs> I live in money. Um, uh, before Emmett left for his trip, his mother warned him that Chicago and Mississippi were two different worlds and that he needed to be careful how he acted in front of white people. Emmett assured his mother that he understood. 
Statistics on lynching began, lynchings began to be collected in 1882. Since that time, more than 500 African Americans had been killed by extrajudicial violence in Mississippi alone, but more than 3,000 had occurred across the South. Most incidents took place between 1876 and 1930, and although they are much less common, in the 1950s, racially motivated murders still occurred. Yeah. Today. Yeah, (laughs) and 2022. Yep. Um, 70 years later. Um, So this is the time during which the U.S. Supreme Court made their decision in the Brown versus Board of Education in 1954 to end segregation in public education. Tensions were high and whites were still trying to make to take any measures they could to keep blacks politically disenfranchised. A week before Till arrived in Mississippi, a black activist named Lamar Smith was shot and killed in front of the county courthouse in Brookhaven for political organizing. Three suspects were arrested, but later released. Um, Yeah. So Till arrived in Money, Mississippi on August 21st, 1955. And on August 24th, he and his cousin, Curtis Jones, skipped church where his great uncle Moe's right was preaching. They instead joined some local boys and went to Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market to buy candy. The teenagers were um, children of sharecroppers and had been picking cotton all day. The market mostly served the local sharecropper population and was owned by a white couple 24-year-old Roy Bryant and 21-year-old Carolyn. Carolyn was alone in the front of the store that day, but her sister-in-law was in the rear of the store watching children. So I don't know if like their children were in the store or um, what what that meant exactly, but Jones left Till, um, so Jones is his cousin, left Till with the other boys while Jones went across the street to play checkers. The facts of what occurred that day in the store are still disputed, but this is what we think we know, according to Curtis Jones. It was reported that Till had a photograph of an integrated class at the school where he attended in Chicago, and Till was bragging to the boys that he was friends with the white kids and even had a white girlfriend, all pictured in the photo. It said that one of the local boys dared him to speak to Carolyn Bryant, so this is the white store clerk. Okay. However, Till's cousin, Simeon Wright, who was present said Till did not have a photo of a white girl and no one dared him to flirt with Bryant. The FBI report completed in 2006. So this is like, I mean, not super recent, but many years after. States that Curtis Jones recanted his 1955 statements prior to his death and apologized to Mamie Till. So I think um, he didn't really actually know what happened. And Curtis was the one that said what? He was the one who said that he had this photograph and was showing people and that someone dared him to go talk to Carolyn. But Curtis Jones was across the street playing checkers. He actually wasn't really there. Yeah, that's why I got confused. So he recanted that statement. Yeah, like kind of on his deathbed. Um, Simeon Wright states that Till whistled at Brian. So uh, Simeon Wright is um, another person who was there, stated that Till whistled at Brian. He said, I think Emmett wanted to get a laugh out of us or something. He was always joking around and it was hard to tell when he was serious. Rice also stated that following the whistle, he became immediately alarmed saying, well, it scared us half to death. And, you know, we were just almost in shock. Uh, we couldn't get out of there fast enough any uh, because we had never heard of anything like that before. A black boy whistling at a white woman in Mississippi? No. Oh. After right, yeah. 
After Wright and Till left the store, Bryant went outside to retrieve a pistol from underneath the seat of the car. The teens saw this and left immediately. It was acknowledged that Till whistled again while Bryant was going to her car. However, this is disputed whether Till whistled at Bryant or at the chess game across the street. So I think there's just kind of a lot going on. Yeah. Um, following his disappearance, a newspaper account states that Till sometimes whistled to alleviate his stuttering. His mother taught Till how to whistle softly to himself before, before pronouncing his words. So if you remember, he was diagnosed with polio, which left him with a stutter. And if his mom really taught him that he probably whistled quite frequently. And like, if he was buying something from the counter, yeah. Maybe there was a whistle, but maybe not like the intent that people right. thought it was. Um, so anyway, the boys ran across the street to tell Curtis what happened. And the older man playing chess advised the boys to leave quickly, fearing violence because she had grabbed a gun. Got it. Words Got it. word spread quickly of the events that occurred. However, it is said that Carolyn's husband, Roy, had not heard the story from his wife, but from other people. And, um, it's Carolyn actually later says she didn't tell Roy because she didn't want him to like get mad and do something bad, but he had heard kind of through the grapevine and Roy was pissed about the event and started to make a plan with his half brother to kidnap Till from his house. So the early morning hours of August 28th, 1955, sometime between two and two 30 AM Bryant and Millam Millam is the last name of his cousin or what was it? Um, anyway, the person he was with. Yeah. So they drove to Moe's Wright's house, the Till's great uncle. They showed up armed and asked Wright if he had the three boys in the, in the house from Chicago. And they asked for the boys. Um, they asked for the boy who was talking to his wife specifically. Uh, Till's great aunt tried offering them money, but they refused and told Emmett to put on his clothes. Moe's Wright informed them that Till was from up North and didn't know any better but they left the house with till in hand, which is just like crazy. They just show up and like, can just take someone. Yeah. Um, obviously like Moe's right. And his wife felt pretty um, defenseless. Right. So they tied up till in the back of a green pickup truck and drove towards money, Mississippi. The men then drove him to a barn in drew Mississippi and picked up two black men that worked for Millam. They pistol, they pistol whipped him on the way and reportedly knocked him unconscious. Willie Reed, 18 at the time, said that while walking home, he heard beating and crying from the barn. He told a neighbor and they both walked back up the road closer to the barn. They were then approached by Millam, who asked if they had heard anything to which they said no. Like, I think he kind of said in like a, like, you didn't hear anything, did you? Right. Kind of like yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, another local neighbor also spotted Leroy Collins at the back of the barn washing blood off of the truck and noticed Till's boot. Uh, Millam explained he had killed a deer earlier and that the boot was his. Some claimed that Till was shot and tossed over the Black Bayou Bridge in Glendora, Mississippi, near the Tallahatchie River, and that his clothes were burned back at Roy Bryant's home. In an interview with William Bradford Hugh that was published in Look Magazine in 1956, Bryant and Millam said, so they're interviewed, they said they intended to beat Till and throw him off an embankment to frighten him. They said that while they were beating Till, he called them bastards and declared he had sex with white women. They put Till in the back of the truck and drove several miles along the river where they shot him and weighted his body with a fan they 
had stolen from a cotton gin. So they're literally saying this in an interview? Yeah. Um, so Moe's right back home waited about 20 minutes for Till's return before he and another man drove around money. Unsuccessful, they returned home by 8 a.m. Eventually, Curtis Jones called the Leflore County Sheriff and Till's mother back home in Chicago. Bryant and Millam were brought in in question, but they said they took him from his uncle's house but released him later in front of the Bryant store. Three days after his abduction and murder, Till's swollen and disfigured body was found by two boys who were fishing in the Tallahatchie River. His head was very badly mutilated. He had been shot above the right ear. An eye was dislodged from the socket. There was evidence that he had been beaten on the back and the hips and his body weight, his um, and his body weighted by a fan blade, which was fastened around his neck with a barbed wire. He was nude, but there was a silver ring, but he wore a silver ring with the initials LT in May 25th, 1943 carved on the back, which I think is his dad's wedding ring, Lewis Till. Um, yeah, really terrible. Um, his face was unrecognizable due to trauma in the water and Moserite was called to the river to identify Till. Till's murder aroused feelings about segregation, law enforcement, relations between the North and South, the social status quo in Mississippi, the activists of the NAACP, and the White Citizens Council, and the Cold War. In an article written after Till's death, it is stated, now is the time for every citizen who loves the state of Mississippi to stand up and be counted before hoodlum white trash brings us to destruction. It is also said that Negroes were not the downfall of Mississippi society, but whites like those in white citizens councils that condoned violence. Mississippi Governor Hugh L. White also deplored the murder. Most people were outraged, but soon after, Robert B. Patterson, executive secretary of the segregationist White Citizens Council, used Till's death to claim that racial segregation policies were to provide for Black safety and their efforts were being neutralized by the NAACP. So dumb. (laughs) So dumb. Yeah. Which, gosh, that's just ridiculous. Um, At the funeral, Mamie decided to have an open casket funeral saying, there was just no way I could describe what was in the box. No way. And I just wanted the world to see. That is so heartbreaking. It's really sad. And his mom is just so brave. Um, so tens of thousands of people attended the viewing and the funeral. The trial was head in, held in September 1955 and lasted for five days, which is crazy. Like things just were so much faster back then. And now murder trials are like years. Right. Um, so it lasted for five days. The courtroom was filled to capacity with 280 spectators with Black attendees sitting in segregated sections. Some visitors from the North found the court to be run with surprising informality. Jury members were allowed to drink beer on duty, and many white spectators wore handguns. Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. Drink beer on duty? I don't, yeah. So like, obviously people from the North were a little bit ahead of the time. So it's just, I think just- the fact that they were like really taken aback by the conditions of the courtroom probably says a lot during that time. Um, so essentially the defense tried to point the finger elsewhere and discredit Moe's White's identification of Brian and Millam. 
the, uh, they argued the body was too decomposed to even be identified as a black man. Um, but that ring is just like right. obvious. And besides that, that's just probably not true. Yeah. Um, on September 23rd, the all white, all male jury acquitted both defendants after a 67 minute deliberation in later Gosh. interviews. The, I know, I know. Um, In later interviews, the jurors acknowledged that they knew Bryant and Millam were guilty, but simply did not believe that life imprisonment imprisonment or the death penalty were fit punishments for whites who had killed a black man. I literally would like, I want to break everything in sight right now. Yeah, I think it's scary to like hear that though and feel like that's still happening today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it became sort of a sort of crazy in Mississippi after that. And Emmett's till death was still highly publicized. Bryant and Millam did an exclusive interview with William Bradford Hugh, where they admitted to the murder. So that's what I said earlier, mm-hmm. but they had already been acquitted. So it didn't matter. Like they, right. they can't be retried. Um, but after this, many of their friends and supporters, including those who had contributed to their defense funds, cut them off. Blacks boycotted their shops, which eventually went bankrupt and closed, and banks refused to grant them loans to buy crops. Why Why did people cut them off after supporting them? Because I think they learned, once they realized they did it, they were like, oh. Got it. Take it back. I think they thought that they were innocent and then supported them, and then they were like, so that's actually pretty surprising when I read that. Yeah. Um, I do think a lot of Mississippi was like, this is not us. Like, this is not who we want to be. So, um, but yeah, so Bryant and Millam eventually moved to Texas. Um, but their, um, oh, their bad luck essentially followed them. Not really bad luck, but um, and Brian. <laughs> yeah, their deserved. Own, yeah, their own deserved doing. Yeah. Bryant and Carolyn eventually divorced. Um, Good. Bo- both were eventually co- convicted of other crimes, such as food stamp fraud, assault, and battery and writing bad checks. And um, so that's kind of where the story ends. But like Emmett's mother like went on to speak a lot and kind of like she I know she went on like a I think she went on like a nationwide um, speech tour and they helped raise money for the NAACP. And it also just like helped lead kind of this movement. And, um, I think everyone knows the story of Rosa Parks mm-hmm. when, um, she refused to move, give up her seat, move to the back of the bus. And she even said like in that moment when they were telling her to get up, she thought of Emmett Till and was like, no, I need to stay here and like fight. Um, so he like sparked, I think kind of that whole movement after that, which, um is really sad and terrifying but he's just like it was an inspiration for for the black community um but yeah that's the story the really sad story of Emmett Till and I know there's movies and books about it so um I encourage people I think there's even a new one coming out I swear I saw like a commercial for it like when I was watching Hulu or something I tried googling it and I couldn't find it but I was like I wonder if it's more about his mom and that's why I think maybe I couldn't find it, but yeah, anyway. that's, you did a great job telling that story. It was hard to listen to. So I can't imagine like how hard it was to even research. Um, when yeah. you started telling about 
Emmett's mom at his funeral I yeah I I shed a tear (laughs) I know I was like getting choked up reading about his body condition um how he was found so sad and I I knew that story like I've heard it before but I guess I didn't know like it in such graphic detail so just hearing like the straight up facts Mm -hmm. it's so necessary to hear because you don't want like sometimes things like Martin Luther King is painted in a way that's like sometimes people use his quotes to make it like Mm -hmm. you know super easily digestible quotes and not his quotes that are like actually you know what his mission was about do you know what I'm trying to say that yes sometimes black history in my experience is painted in a way like this is how or it's it oversimplified was. And, and this yeah this is this is how it was and this is how we fixed it and now everything's fine and obviously that's not the case so just hearing like the terrible graphic details makes you realize how real it is and like you can easily draw comparisons to you know things that are happening today yeah and it's just like crazy even just like the difference between the north and south at that time like he lived in chicago and I mean, um, Brown v. Board of Education had passed, but like he was going to, um, like he was in class with white kids and was like friends with them and like right. was supposedly dating a white woman and then goes to the South where it's just like, I mean, he showed up to Moe's Wright's house and Moe's was just kind of like, yeah, I guess you got to take him and rough him up because I think that was just life. Like they didn't, right. like, what are they going to do? Fight him? Where it's like, no, that's just not okay. Um yeah, I, I thought it was, um, you know, an important story and it was really Super important, difficult to read, but I think it's always a good reminder for people to like hear history, even if it's dark history and it's not something we're proud of. Yes. Um, it's, it's worth history is, uh, important to learn. Otherwise we'll repeat our mistakes. Yes facts <laughs> but um I'm really excited to hear about your story my I actually have a co-worker um she every day this month every work day is sending us has been sending us an article of like an inspiring black oh that's cool. figure in history and it's just been really fun reading the email so I'm just like wondering if anyone you choose is someone <laughs> read a little bit about yes let me pull my story up and Kona, you got it. Kona joined. Kona, Kona has joined the room. Um, she's Kona, being needy. You gotta leave. Okay, my story is based on a movie that you might have seen or a book you might have read, Hidden Figures: The Black yes. Woman Who Helped Win the Space Race. I love this story, and I just read <laughs> reread it on Friday. So very little snippet. You read the book. Excited. No, no, no. Um, my coworker's blurb. She sent it on Friday. Oh my gosh, funny. So I'm excited to hear it again. It was so it's a small blurb, so got it. So I actually haven't seen Hidden Figures, the movie, or I haven't read the book. I don't know why. Well, I'm not a big movie girl, as we yeah. I have seen Hidden Figures. <laughs> ten out of ten recommend. Yes. Okay. So I I want to read it and watch it because okay. just That's reading your in my research. Yeah, that'll be my homework so fascinating so Mm -hmm. I got my sources or most of my information from my sources smithsonianmag.com www.space.com and www.nasa.gov so 
<laughs> Most of my research was done um, reading from like Margot Lee Shetlery's, and that's the author of the book Hidden Figures. So it was an interview that she did describing the book. And that's the first part of my research is her talking about um, what went into writing the book, um, the all of the um, important facts behind um, the hidden figures. And then I'm going to go into the hidden figures women. Um, there's four main, four of them that are the main characters in the movies. And actually in real life, there's four women that the movie is based off of. So I'm going to go into the real women's real life stories at the end. But first um, I'm going to cover just, you know, what is, what, what was going on with the space race and who was helping that along yeah behind the scenes um so margot lee shetlery wrote the book um and she's also a black woman so she's like a writing from that perspective um so here's just some background as america stood on the brink of a second world war the push for the space race grew spurring a demand for math mathematicians women were the solution to the demand they joined the langley memorial aeronautical laboratory in 1935 to shoulder the burden of number crunching they acted as human computers freeing the engineers of hand calculations and in the decades before the digital age sharp and successful the female population at langley skyrocketed many of these human computers quote unquote are finally getting their due um, but conspicu conspicuously missing from this story of female achievement are the efforts contributed by courageous Black women called the West Computers. After the area to which they were rele relegated, they helped blaze a trail for mathematicians and engineers of all races and genders to follow. So before NASA, there was NACA, the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautic <laughs> Aeronautics, NACA. Um, mm. which, which was intended to turn the floundering flying gadgets of the day into war machines. The agency was dissolved in 1958 to be replaced by NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. So NACA and NASA kind of interchangeable depending on the time. Got it. Um, so when this switch happened, it turned into NASA, the space race really gained speed. So the West computers were at the heart of the center's advancements and the West computers were where all the black women were regulated okay. or relegated. They worked through the equations that described every function of the plane. They contributed to the ever-changing design of wartime flying machines, making them faster, safer, and more aerodynamic. The first black computers didn't set foot at Langley until the 1940s. Though the pressing needs of war were great, racial discrimination remained strong and few jobs existed for African-Americans, regardless of gender. That was until 1941, when Philip A. Philip Randolph, pioneering civil rights activist, proposed a march on Washington uh, in Washington, D.C. to draw attention to the continued injustices of racial discrimination. With the threat of 100,000 people swarming the Capitol, um, President Franklin D. Roosevelt issued Executive Order 8802, preventing racial discrimination in hiring for federal and war-related work. This, or, uh, this order also cleared the way for Black computers to make their way into NACA and NASA history. So it's just so crazy, like, 
during this time they're in like desperate need of workers and it takes like a, a executive a, order yeah a protest and, and um like fear of civil unrest to bring these people that want to work in like these very probably smart work and cheap. accomplished and yeah and like people that are like you know trying to help you and they're capable like right yeah whatever. yeah so exactly how many women computers worked at NACA or NASA over the years is still unknown one 1992 study estimated the total topped several hundred, but other estimates, including Shetterly's own intuition, says the number is in the thousands. And they're just like unaccounted for. I love, uh, you know, I love women in math <laughs> and engineering. Exactly. For that matter. Women in STEM. I play marital every day. I'm a woman in STEM. Hey, I wasn't in STEM technically. Well, yeah, you were. Yeah, I guess my scholarship was like a lot of women get STEM scholarships, but I got like a different one. It wasn't through STEM. Women in STEM is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. It's an acronym. That's what STEM stands for. Yeah, sorry. I guess my school gave out STEM um, scholarships (laughs) for women who had those majors. I was not one of them, but I was so stem so you didn't make the cut but you're still a woman in stem true (laughs) (laughs) accurate i'm like wait no yeah i got confused sorry i thought i like was making up that acronym but no no no. (laughs) okay anyways (laughs) so anyways although um you know women and people of color were able to work at langley that's the nasa institute Um, It wasn't perfect. Not only were the women rarely provided the same opportunities and titles as their male counterparts, but the West computers lived with constant reminders that they were second-class citizens. In the book, Shatterly highlights one particular incident involving an offensive sign in a dining room bearing the designation colored computers. Just like gross, like workplace harassment. Uh. One particular brazen computer, Miriam Mann, took responding, uh, took to responding to the sign as her own personal vendetta. She plucked the sign from the table, tucked it in her purse, and then the sign returned time and time again, and she removed it every time. And apparently, like her just even removing that sign took incredible courage. It was a time when people were lynched, just like your story. Yep. Um, and you could be pulled off the bus for sitting in the wrong seat so it was very very high stakes for her to even pull that sign and eventually man won Miriam man uh and the sign disappeared the woman fought many more of these seemingly quote-unquote small battles against separate bathrooms restricted access to meetings um and outside of the workplace, they faced many more problems, you know, just in their everyday life, including segregated buses, uh, dilapidated schools, and then many of them struggled to find housing in the area. I remember in the movie, which I think is true, like their bathrooms weren't just segregated. They were like in a different building or something crazy oh, like wow. that. So like every time they had to go to the bathroom, they had to leave and they were just like, really? Like we can't get one women's toilet black women's toilet here like 
Right. Or just let us use the other ones in the building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like, why do we even need to separate it? Yeah. Wow. Um, Okay. So then this is the last part of just my summary here. Um, The book and movie don't mark the end of Shatterly's work. She continues to collect all of these names of the lost computers Um, hoping to eventually make the list available online. She hopes to find many names that have sifted out over the years and and she just wants to document their respective lives works. Um, And I actually, this article was written a while ago. So I looked to see if she had a list going online and she does. Mm -hmm. It is called the humancomputerproject.com. And from there you can see her ongoing list of human computers. And also you can submit any information that you know. So like if you or someone you know was involved in this please submit it yeah so she's really involved with that right now um so basically that whole summary was from uh margot lee shatterly's perspective the woman who wrote the book but it was just like really interesting to read from her perspective too because obviously she wrote the book but she grew up in the area where um this nasa establishment was where all of the west computers were um so she grew up hearing stories about them um and like really looked up to them but then she would tell other people these stories and they didn't know anything about these west computers um and she was like always surprised because it was just such a big part of her life like hearing that story of like where women before her where, where she came from and what those women were doing but then as she grew up she realized hardly anybody knew about this so yeah she made it like her mission to enlighten the world on what these black women brought <laughs> and yeah contributed. and the role they played in mm-hmm. that success of nasa or naca yes yeah so i just thought that was really cool um, so now I'm going to go into the four women that um, the movie and book were based off of. So Mary Jackson, uh, born in 1921 and passed away in 2005. Um, Jackson was from Hampton, Virginia. She graduated with high marks from high school and received a Bachelor of Science degree from Hampton Institutes in Mathematics and Physical Science. STEM girl. STEM. <laughs> um, Jackson began her career as a school teacher and had several other jobs before joining NACA. As a computer with the all-Black West Area Computing Section, she was involved with wind tunnels and flight experiments. Her job was to extract the relevant data from experiments and flight tests. She also tried to help other women advance in their career um, by advising them on what educational opportunities to pursue. After 30 years with NACA and NASA, Uh, at which point she became an engineer, Jackson decided to become an equal opportunity specialist to help women and minorities. Um, Although described behind uh, the scenes, although described as a behind the scenes sort of worker, she helped many people get promoted or become supervisors. She retired from NASA in 1985. Isn't that crazy? And then she passed away at age 83. So just an incredibly full life yeah and I love that she was you know helping other women achieve greatness as well yeah all right the next woman is Katherine Johnson 1918 to 2020 
Johnson showed early brilliance in West Virginia schools by being promoted several years ahead of her age. She attended a high school on the campus of West Virginia State College by age 13 and then began attending college at age 18. Uh, after graduating with the highest honors, she started work as a school teacher in 1937. Two years later, when the college chose to integrate its graduate schools, Johnson and two male students were offered spots. She quickly, quickly enrolled but left to have children. Uh, then in 1953, when she was back in the workforce, Johnson joined the West Area Computing section at Langley. She began her career working uh, with data from flight tests, but her life quickly changed after the Soviet Union launched their first satellite in 1957. Uh, so some of her math equations were used in lecture series uh, called Notes of Space Technology. These lectures were given by engineers that later formed the Space Task Group, NACA's section of space travel. Um, so she was like very, very smart. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my brain God. isn't even comprehending some of the stuff I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not following exactly. <laughs> well, space in itself is just. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Yes. Okay. So she worked on the Mercury missions and she did trajectory mm. analysis. Um, and then she also. Um, reportedly ran through a bunch of equations to make sure everything was safe so she was just like heavily involved in some pretty yeah pretty intense stuff yeah and I can't imagine those equations are simple no so Johnson retired from NASA in 1986 at the age of 97 oh no she retired from NASA in 1986 oh. and then at the age of 97 in 2015 she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom the highest nice. civilian honor in the United States. And then she passed away in 2020 at age 101. Ah! I know. Wow. <laughs> All right. Our incredible woman number three is Dorothy Vaughn, 1910 to 2008. Vaughn joined the Langley Memorial, uh, the, the Langley Institute um, at 1943 after beginning her career as a math teacher. You can see they all started as teachers. Uh, well, just like side tangent, like that's like something even more recently in the past 20 years to like any woman majoring in math, they just be like, oh, so you're going to be a teacher. And it's yeah. like women are like, no, which I'm sure is like a lot of majors too. It's like, oh, so you're just going to be a teacher and not that just a teacher, but it's like, there are other opportunities like you don't have to just right. stick to one yeah profession. You're, a, you're a math major as as we know and yes. a lot of people ask you if you're gonna be a teacher and that was pretty much the only job I knew I wouldn't do because honestly I can't kudos to teachers <laughs> I cannot do it I was like no I'm not sorry yeah absolutely out of the question yeah that's like <laughs> takes a very, very special person. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. So she started as a teacher. Um, and then during world war II, uh, she was at, in a temp position. Um, and then thanks to the new executive order, she began to permanently work in the laboratory. Still the law required that she and her black colleagues needed to work from, uh, separate from the white female computers. So that's when she joined the West computers um, and she made sure that her 
oh, she actually became the first NACA supervisor in 1949, the first black NACA supervisor. Super cool. And she made sure that all of her employees received promotions or pay raises if merited. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, super interesting. So she retired. She went on to have a a really great career at NACA and NASA. And then she retired in 1971 um, and died at the age of 98 in 2008. Wow. These women were all old age. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, we have Christine Darden and she was, uh, she's still alive today. Um, and in 1967, she was added to the pool of human computers who wrote the complex programs and tediously crunched numbers at NASA Langley laboratory. Um, but she wanted to process more than the data. She wanted to create it. So after waiting through daily calculations for eight years, she approached her supervisor to ask why men with the same educational background as her, a a master's degree in science and applied mathematics, uh, were being hired as engineers, and she was not. Impressed by her skills, her supervisor transferred her to the engineering section, where she was one of the very few female aerospace engineers at NASA. Uh, Darden continued her education at George Washington University, and in 1983, she earned a doctorate degree in mechanical engineering. She had a 40-year career at NASA, and she became a manager and director and an author of more than 50 publications, and then went on to retire in 2007. So those are the four women that the um, Hidden Figures book and movie are based off of. They lived incredibly inspiring lives paved the way for not only women but also other black individuals other minorities and also just helped bring people up along with them which I thought was really cool yeah those women are amazing um I've only seen the movie I should read the book but the movie is like really well done yeah um, in my opinion but Oh yeah, that was great. That was such a good story to choose. There's so many to choose from, but I do love that story. I think also just because it's women and I just love. Yes. And it's like, okay, these, when, um, you know, people started getting more recognition for their work at NASA, all of these white women computers were getting recognition, but then the black women were still not getting the recognition they deserved. So finally, you know, (laughs) they're getting credit and there's some absolutely incredible women that were contributing to this. So I'm really glad I got to research it more and I need to watch the movie ASAP. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you do. I feel like I saw it actually on TV. Like, I feel like they might be showing it this month. So maybe you can even catch mm. it live if you yeah. are scrolling well, I through. somehow have access to every streaming platform there is. <laughs> so I will find it on one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure you will. that's how it goes (laughs) yes you know hats off to those women and good story um well told yeah thank Um, you yeah good stories this week um we did kind of wanted for the women I tried for the four women I was like 
I want to list all their accomplishments, even though I like don't even really know what I'm saying. So sorry if that was all a little bit jumbled, but I really wanted to, you know, highlight their achievements. A little over our heads because yeah. these women are obviously geniuses. <laughs> Literally. <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're really inspiring and just, oh gosh, so smart. Just so smart. But we just wanted to make sure we honored Black History Month with some mm-hmm. stories. Um Hopefully people appreciate them and yeah, I think. Yes. So thanks for joining in on another week of horribly happy. In the meantime, go rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably review on Apple podcasts. Yes. (laughs) And then also feel free to write into us, uh, horribly happy pod on Instagram or horribly happy pod at gmail.com. Um, if you want to hear more Reddit stories, you can um, send those in um, or let us know if you like that. You could also send in any story suggestions or if you have a personal story you'd like to share, even just with us, uh, please send that in as well. Uh, and yes, thank you for joining us this week. Have a great rest of your week and stay happy. As happy as you can be. Bye. Bye.